0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: There are moments in our life when we are shaped through adversity and challenge. Propelled through turbulent change, we're presented with an opportunity to take wings and soar from a dark place to one of light. I'm Leslie Salem, founder of Over the Bloody Moon, on a mission to take the muddle out of menopause. In our podcast, we meet women from different walks of life and experience to share their tales and tools of positive transformation. Come join us for the flight. everyone in today's show we're going to be chatting to ex-woman's weekly editor diane kenwood founder of these are the heydays running a community website and weekly blog full of fabulous ideas to make the most out of life as well as having her own life experiences to share as an editor diane has been a collector of tales and has the privilege of interviewing many different people over the years shaping her own philosophy of life. Diane, it's so lovely to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. And thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this. Oh, well, we, we met probably, what, a, a year ago through, through a mutual friend who said you have to meet Diane. <laughs> Everything that comes out of her mouth is just so inspirational. So I know you've had a huge impact on my friend but also obviously in your audience because you have a thriving community with these are the heydays.
0: Do you want to just tell the audience a little bit about that? Sure. So when I left Women's Weekly, which I edited for 10 years, I felt really strongly that I wanted to continue the conversation with that particular audience and demographic who are fundamentally baby boomers for the most part so people sort of 50 up i don't i don't define it by age because you know i don't believe that age is a definition of anything but i certainly felt incredibly enthused and inspired by the people that you know, I had come to know through the conversation I was having with them as the editor of Women's Weekly. And I just wanted to keep talking, really. You know, I've discovered that I am an incurable communicator. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, right, right, I need to keep going. And also, I wanted to just broaden it out and explore the freedom to create the kind of content that I was interested in. So that's how These Are The Heydays was born. And it's a weekly blog on the website, thesearetheheydays.com. And a newsletter full, I hope, of inspiring, fun, useful, entertaining, interesting content and ideas. And then I have an Instagram page and a Facebook page. And yeah, and it's it's lovely. And, you know, the followers I have are so marvellous and so, also so enthusiastic and just so enthused by life. So they absolutely share my approach to things.
1: Oh, that's brilliant. And there's also something about just, you know, when we leave a full-time job, we we need to have a purpose, don't we? And if, if you know, your love has always been around writing and sharing stories and community. So it, it makes sense that that
0: should continue. Totally. I do think that purpose in life is such a very important thing. And leaving a job as big as the one I did and, you know, so much of my identity was wrapped up in that job. It was, it was a big transformation and it's taken a long time to adjust to it. And I, I expect we might touch on that as we talk. But I certainly did feel that I absolutely wasn't finished. I'd done with that job. It was absolutely the right time to go. Honestly, I probably should have gone a little sooner. But I was also very clear I didn't. It wasn't the end. And I would never begin to describe myself as retired. I'm not actually sure what retirement means anyway. <laughs> but i am set- it doesn't exist anymore apparently exactly it doesn't and you know and i'm i'm involved in a fantastic portfolio of enterprises and activities and organizations so you know i'm as busy as ever as i was but with with lots of lovely variety of things
1: yeah there is something about that that portfolio of different interests and variety that just keeps life interesting
0: Absolutely for sure. And I'm just, as we're talking, I'm just about to start being involved in a new project, which by the time this is broadcast, I hope will be flourishing well because there's a brand new radio station being launched on Sunday, the 14th of February called Boom Radio, aimed at baby boomers predominantly, fantastic music and some talk. And I'm actually going to be a part of the team that's involved in it. I'm doing a little spot every Wednesday morning at 1130
1: Amazing. We'll be
0: tuning in. Fantastic.
1: Diane, Over the Bloody Moons podcast focuses a lot on sharing women's journey through moments of of change. And, you know, there's always moments in our life that present challenge. And when we have the opportunity to reflect back, we realise, wow, that, you know, that I really learned something from that or that really defined me. And as much as that might have been a tricky Moment, we we do rise from that and, and grow from that. So, if you don't mind sharing, it would be great just to hear maybe a, a moment for you that that presented itself as unexpected change and how you dealt with that.
0: Well, the moment that most clearly springs to mind and is the most you know relatively recent was the sudden and completely unexpected death of my husband. We met when I was seventeen. We had been together. I'm not even going to, I can't do the maths as to how many years that is. In fact, we had actually separated, but in the most loving and connected way possible. And it's very easy to fall into cliches, but he was my absolute best friend. We just had reached a point in the road where we, needed to find out whether we were happier living apart than together. But we never divorced, and that was entirely on purpose. It wasn't an accident. We stayed very connected. We stayed very much in touch with each other's lives, and we stayed very, very committed parents. And it was about four or five years after we separated, he suddenly just dropped dead three months after his 60th birthday. It was absolutely shocking to the core. We were also in the early stages of planning our older daughter's wedding, she was due to get married six months later so it was I mean terrible it doesn't even begin to cover it um and it was so unexpected and he was such an important part of all of our lives obviously so that was devastating in so many different ways and it forced a lot of change it forced us to understand how to operate and we we talked about it at the time uh, to function as a three-legged stool instead of a four-legged stool. (laughs) Tell me more about that. (laughs) Well I think that He'd been such a very strong and steady influence on all of us. He was a very wise person. He was also mad. He was marvellously, brilliantly potty. I mean, he, he loved to joke and play pranks and stuff. So he, you know, he wasn't just the person that I went to for advice who knew me better than anyone who would, you know, hear me out and generally just steer me gently or firmly, depending as required in the right direction. Obviously, he was the, also. I, you know, realized he was the repository of all my memories. You know, yes. and I. There are days when I can't remember what happened yesterday. It's devastating, really, to me that I haven't got that as a place to go. And also, those things that you know happen. Something happens to a friend, and only that person knows that friend l- well enough or long enough to go. Do you know what happened with so and so? And there's no one to share that with. But of course, the biggest deal thing is he's not here to share in all these huge family moments that have happened since then. Our daughter did get married six months later. Our other daughter subsequently also got married. They both now have had children in the last 17 months. It's heartbreaking that he can't be a part of all of that. He would have been yeah. so I happy. mean, when
1: you've been with someone and known someone so well and leaned on emotional support for so long, it's a bit like having a shadow how did you cope with that? What what were the tools that got you through that must have been a very difficult moment?
0: So first and foremost, the love and support of our family and friends was unbelievable. I mean, simply extraordinary. They just scooped us up and they took care of us and they fed us and they just stood completely beside us. It was, honestly, it still makes me emotional to think about what that was like. It was extraordinary we never felt alone unless we needed to be Mm. I had met another man by then somebody I actually knew in my childhood amazingly and (laughs) we had reconnected after 30 years he was so stalwart and so extraordinary both my girls thank god had these beautiful men in their lives you know my older daughter had her fiance but my younger daughter had just started going out with someone three months they'd been together and this happens and he was I mean, he was so unbelievable because she was comatose with grief. She literally was, she was catatonic pretty much. Mm. And he never left her side. And now they're married. And so those things, of course, were the absolute foundation of how we cope. But the other thing I think that did stand me in really good stead was that thing I said about me being an incurable communicator. I do talk about stuff. I haven't historically always been quite as good as I might have needed to about talking about difficult stuff. But I am a talker and someone very quickly after he died introduced me to the best counsellor I have ever had in my life. And I've had counselling at various stages in my life, but she was something spectacularly special. Mm. And I continued to see her for actually nearly three years. She's she made all the difference in the world.
1: Yeah so i mean support as you say it's it it's absolutely essential isn't it just to kind of have our people around us that, that love us unconditionally and just intuitively know what we, what we
0: need and that we can have a safe space to reveal vulnerability. Vulnerability is something I've definitely struggled with in the past and very much something I explored in the course of these counselling conversations I had with my lovely counsellor. It's so important. We have to present the world with our vulnerability because although it's terrifying to do, it's the way we get back what we need.
1: Mm, absolutely. I mean, t- two years ago when, you know, I-, I was in a very dark place in perimenopause, not realizing that I was. But it's, it's interesting how you said, you know, you couldn't stop writing or communicating. I-, I-, I felt that very much as well. I couldn't stop talking. But there's something quite therapeutic and brave about just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not feeling good today. And you communicate your needs
0: so people know how to help you. Absolutely right. Yeah, but it's, you, you've got to do it. And it's, it's really interesting. At, at one point when our, you know, when Carrie and my marriage were was in a very difficult stage, one of the things my very annoyingly smart older daughter said, the problem with you and dad is that you're really good at talking about everything except what matters. I mean, it was like a light switch. I was thinking, you know, I really thought you're right. We really need to stop skirting around the stuff that we actually have to be talking about. And that was, you know, a powerful and important thing to learn at that stage that I then used and was helped to use through the counselling.
1: I mean, how do you
0: cultivate those
1: difficult conversations? Have you got any tools to share with people on that? So
0: one, I suppose it's, it's really two things that are, I suppose, really classic counselling tools that, you know, that Alex used with me. And they are, first of all, she would feedback what I said. So she, I would say something and she'd say, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is, and that makes you examine what you're saying and try and be sure that you're communicating it the way you want. But most important of all is such a simple thing to do. And it's a question and it is, how does that make you feel? Mm. Yeah. it is Honestly, that's the most powerful question.
1: Yeah, because our thoughts uh, and behaviour are so connected, aren't they, to our, our feelings? And I, I like the first point as well about clarifying because we can often filter and distort what is being said. So that's, that's really helpful to kind of play that back to the listener and then get them to,
0: to also kind of, you know, comment on that. Yeah. And I would say the other big deal thing about supporting someone and helping to support someone when they're having a tough time is don't always try and fix it. In fact, generally, don't try and fix it unless they're asking you to just listen. You know, there were certain friends who I found myself hesitant to talk to. And I realised that that was because when I talked to them about just how I was feeling, they tried to fix my feelings and I didn't want them fixed. I just yeah. wanted them to be heard. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. Yeah, I can, and, and nuanced,
1: yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, um, which obviously, you know, is uh, continues, I suppose, to be such a part
0: of, of your life. You know, there are times when it comes back and absolutely hits you just as strongly you know, when something happens. And certainly when my two gorgeous little granddaughters were born, you know, holding them for the first time, my immediate thought was how much Kerry would have loved to have mm-hmm. been there to see that.
1: Is there anything around... I mean, how do you deal when you get a negative thought? Is, uh, is there anything that you do to overcome that?
0: I don't think there's one trick. I think it depends the circumstances that I'm in. You know, I speak it out loud. That's for a start you know, in both cases with the, you know, the girls when I, you know, when their babies were born, you know, I said how much their dad would have loved that. And, you know, and I know they were thinking the same thing. So voicing it is often, not always, but often the thing to do. And sometimes it's just, I need to sit with the thought. And sometimes, you know, that means I could just go out for a walk and just quietly, I don't don't have to push it away. I'm happy to let it sit there. And, you know, I'm completely aware that, Carrie's death is, you know, a bruise on my heart that will never heal. It just won't. And mm. I wouldn't want it to. There's something in there, isn't there, about just
1: acceptance. And that is uh, sometimes with challenges. It's, it's not about eradicating it. It's about acknowledging that it exists and accepting and befriending it.
0: Completely. Absolutely. And embracing it sounds a bit <laughs> extreme, but it's acknowledging that it is simply a part of who you are now Mm -hmm. and that it has changed you and that it is, you know, an experience that you can't ignore. You have to just say, then that is who I am. And there is this, this place that is, you know, that is painful and sad. And occasionally it will come up and it will, you know, it will tap you on the shoulder and you take a deep breath and you say, I know you're there. And I, you know, and I feel, I feel it. And now I can just sit it to one side and acknowledge it
1: let's chat about thinking back on that experience and the continued experience what are the positives that you've taken you know obviously we no one ever wants something like that to happen but it has what have you learned from it and what
0: are the positives you can take from it oh well, 100% that you can survive the worst thing that can happen And, you know, you can get through it and you will be all right. And, you know, there's no telling how long that will take, but it will be okay. and you will find a way and you will find joy and you will find, you know, love and laughter and all of those things. So I think that's absolutely the most powerful and important thing to acknowledge from that experience.
1: And is there anything that you read or
0: a philosophy that you have adopted Gosh, I read so many things and I suppose they're they're more sort of snippets of things. They tend to be kind of quotes that I pick up along the way. I I realised the other day that... I've been collecting quotes my whole life. I had a book when I was at school, my best friend and I, we had little books that we wrote quotes in and we would share them with each other. So (laughs) it's such a teenage thing to do. But actually I keep on doing it. And in my weekly newsletter, I have this little words of wisdom section. So it's basically me just going, here's another lovely quote I've found. I love a good quote. Yeah. And, and, you know, certain things just help me at certain times. So through the whole process with Kerry, bizarrely, it was a quote from Churchill, which I'm now going to completely misquote, but it's something like, the only way to get through hell is to keep going. It's just you have to keep on going. And at the moment, the one, I'm, I'm so sorry, Churchill, that was I, that was rubbish. <laughs> I'll look up the real quote and let you know. The quote that is currently helping me in circumstances we're all in right now is one from Maya Angelou, and it's a really simple one. And it says, every storm runs out of rain. Mm. Love that. <laughs> Maya Angelou is just like a goddess as far as I'm concerned. Practically everything she ever said was so perfect.
1: So we're going we're to move on now and just talk a little bit about your role as editor. And you've worked on various publications. I'm having a baby, is that right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Have, it Although, was called Having, having
1: a baby, baby magazine.
0: When I got that job, I said to Kerry, i got the job." He said, "Oh my God, we don't actually have, have to have another baby, do we?" I said, "No, it's fine. We've had two. We're good." And then for a decade on Women's Weekly. Yes, there was a there was in between. There was a period of five years. I was the editor of the Marks and Spencer magazine, so that was my first editorship. And then I had a brief period working on a B two B project for the Guardian, and then I went to Women's Weekly. So as an
1: editor. Part as much as you like telling stories and, and writing, you, you know you must have met some really amazing people, inspiring people, and and heard their stories. Is there anyone that has kind of sticks in your mind as as someone that maybe has shaped your outlook on life, particularly when we're thinking about it in the context of dealing with change?
0: Um, I have met so many people over the years, Women's Weekly, but I think it's more actually. The people who I think about as as being, I don't know whether they influence me, but the people whose stories come immediately to mind are that I have a whole section of These are the Heydays where I interview people I call heydayers, you know, talk to them about their stories. Fabulous, wonderful, extraordinary, ordinary people. And one that completely sticks in my mind, and I actually met her. I'm a director of the Woman of the Year lunch. So every year we gather together 400 extraordinary women and celebrate their achievements and, you know, their remarkable lives. And I had a guest on my table one of the years and she was called Dillis. and she was this gorgeous Welsh woman in her, I want to say she was about 87, something like that. Beautiful. She had this lovely pink hair. She was, and what a character. She was just absolutely full of life and full of enthusiasm for life. She was also the Guinness World Record holder as the oldest woman skydiver in the country. I love that. Ah. Uh, She only started in her 60s and she started because she ran a charity and she uh, persuaded some of the young fundraisers to do a skydive to raise money for the charity. And she said, I don't know, I just felt I couldn't ask them to do it if I didn't do it too. I was like, (laughs) brilliant. Obviously, of course, why wouldn't you? And I just loved that whole approach to life, that whole yeah, absolutely, let's give something a go. You know, age doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. And she said, I was completely terrified the first one I did, but then I just fell in love with it.
1: Mm. It's the secret, isn't it? Neuroscientists have shown that the more variety you have in your life and the longer you keep it, it it basically adds years to your your life and and it reduces the chance of um, Alzheimer's as well.
0: I think that, that the whole point about I mean, there's so many things that that contribute to living Longer, better. There's a fantastic book by Camilla Cavendish called Extra Time. And it's all about. I read that because of you. Oh, it's just wonderful. Honestly, I think everyone should read it. And it is basically looking at the ingredients that contribute to people leading longer, healthier, more sort of satisfying lives in every way. And learning is absolutely one of them. It's really important. And I want to keep on learning and I want to keep on challenging myself to do new things. I'm not absolutely sure one of those will be skydiving, just to be clear. (laughs) But, you know, I wouldn't mind doing it once. We need that to keep happening. We need to stay engaged. We need to have purpose. We need to keep ourselves fit. You know, we need to exercise. Really, really, really important. Mm. I think it's Camilla who said that if exercise were a pill, every person in the country would be prescribed it.
1: Mm. Well, something that exercise and variety have in common is it releases dopamine which makes us happy. But again, it's also another secret ingredient to sort of, you know, happy, long life. And and that declines as we get older. So we need to find other ways to kind of, you know, boost it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So you, you mentioned... These are the heydays. Let's just touch on on the name, which
0: I just think is absolutely brilliant. But tell me what it means to you. I don't mean it in a kind of Pollyannaish way. I mean, you know, I think actually the what we talked about, you know, so about Carrie dying, we don't generally get to this stage in our lives without something challenging happening to us. If you know and if we're lucky, it's not many things. But, you know, we all have lived through tough times, menopause being absolutely one of them. And I genuinely believe I am so a glass half full person. And that's just my approach to life. And I genuinely believe that with absolute acknowledgement of the fact there are days that are dark, days that are difficult, times that are tough, times that are challenging. The fact that we're still going, the fact that we're still here every day is a heyday because it's another day that we've got to enjoy. I love that. It's beautiful. <laughs> we don't need those big things to celebrate and,
1: or it's just recognising, isn't it, in the mundane, the beauty and the joy that we can have. Uh, That's one thing actually, you know, that I've really learned to appreciate in lockdown is when you take all the noise and the frivolity away. What a genius thing to be able to do and still feel happy, you know, in the simple things. And, and also in some ways, be happy with less than you have, because when you get a little bit extra, it's a bonus.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm very much someone who, well, so first of all, I would say that my, you know, technique for getting through lockdown, after indulging in it far too much, is to stop watching the news. I I don't need the misery and negativity and gloom of it all. So that's been one of the tools I've employed. But absolutely, I hate the cliche of saying it this way, but, you know, I've just genuinely learned to appreciate what I do have and the lovely things I do have. And that if I can't be with my family in person, I can communicate with them on Zoom and that's okay. I have a regular, we get together every Friday night on Zoom. There's five school friends I have from my school days. We've stayed in touch with each other over the years and there's, you know, we, you know, a couple of, in pairs, we're very close friends. But one of them is in Cornwall, one of them is in California. Three of us are in and around London. We have started to do a regular Zoom call Every three or four weeks throughout this whole lockdown, it has been such a joy. I mean it's fantastic, you know, and the one in California, well, we never used to see her, so it's amazing, and apart from the fact that she lived so far away and was running a very successful company, so was always on a plane. you know now we are we have the time we're in our homes, and we've used it to spend time seeing and talking to each other. What a blessing and and that is
1: the very nature of being human, isn't it that we, we're we creative and we find ways around, you know, to satisfy those, you know, innate needs of connection. Diane, I can't believe it, but, uh, you know, you turned 60 last year. And so I'm guessing you're post-menopause. Yes. Was... <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us, if you don't mind sharing, tell us a little bit about your your experience. What do you remember about the transition? How was it for you?
0: Well, my perimenopause was... Actually, in retrospect, shockingly difficult. I had fibroids and it meant that I bled so badly every period. And, you know, I would flood all the time. I was in pain a lot. Now I look back on it, I think bloody hell, it was flipping horrible. It was just awful. And I'm a pretty stoic person. I don't make a fast march. But there was one occasion when I nearly collapsed and I had to get a taxi and go home because Gosh. I literally couldn't stand up straight. It was just wow, that sounds awful. Terrific. It was awful. And I had a very, very lovely guyney who guided me through it. And we did what we could to try and Manage it. And then at one point he said, Okay, we've done another scan, and one of the fibroids looks as if it could potentially have some cells in it that might be cancerous. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? Do you want to wait and see? Or do you want to have a hysterectomy? I was like, Oh, let me take exactly one half of a second to make that decision. Thank you. Not in need of this bloody room anymore. Thank you. So can we get rid of it? And that's what I did. I had a complete hysterectomy. I had my ovaries removed as well because the uh, specialist that i saw said you know what you don't need them and actually if there's anything if we leave anything you know and there's a danger that could be can you know become cancerous what's the point so mm-hmm. i recommend you have a complete hysterectomy which i did and it was done by keyhole surgery i was out of action well i was off work for altogether a month best operation i've ever had <laughs> What a life transforming experience that was.
1: That's really nice. I mean, that's great to hear because some women that have hysterectomies, obviously you've gone into surgical menopause and, and actually the symptoms can be quite extreme. I mean, did you did you have any hot flashes or anything sort of as a result of that?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I was very lucky in that I didn't have any extreme symptoms. Obviously, I was I was tipped straight into full menopause. And I did get quite challenging hot flushes. And I felt much more lethargic. And the brain fog was for real, that's for sure. But I decided the way I wanted to try and cope with it was to take the completely natural approach. And mm. I consulted Marion Glenville. And she basically set up a program for me of things to eat and supplements to take. And I did that pretty much religiously for a year. And I didn't find it difficult. And I didn't I didn't have to take masses of supplements, but I did have to take quite a few. And I felt okay. I had less hot flushes. They didn't go all together. I felt a little more on top of things, more myself. But I got to the end of a year and thought, okay, so I've done that for a year. I want now to see whether if I go down the HRT route, that's different and better. I wanted to do the kind of counterbalance experiment. So I went to my lovely gynae and we had a conversation and he said, because I'd had a complete hysterectomy, I only needed estrogen. So I didn't need progesterone. So so also he said, I don't want to give it to you as a pill because I, I don't want to get your kidneys involved. I'm just going to give it to you as a gel that you put on each day, you rub in each day. And that's what I started taking. And I wouldn't say the difference was huge, but it was noticeably better. The only way I can describe it is I felt more myself. Mm, It's a phrase we hear a lot of, yeah, kind of. I still got hot flushes, but they were very, very mild, still are. I'm still on, I still take gel. I just went to, you know, I have a regular checkup every six to nine months, check my blood pressure, check how I'm feeling. It works really nicely for me, generally speaking, apart from clearly when I can't remember anyone's name. um, You know, the brain fog is (laughs) much better than it was. So it just suits me. It suits me really well. You know, there's a lot of genetics involved, I think, in the whole menopause journey. My mother had exactly the same operation as I did at exactly the same age for almost Mm -hmm. exactly the same reason. She never got to the point where there was any mention of cancer, but she had terrible bleeding so she also had a hysterectomy and that was around 40 years ago and she's been on HRT I mean she self-regulates it now but ever since so clearly it hasn't affected her in any in any negative way yeah. so I feel very comfortable with how I'm managing it and at this point there's no I don't feel any particular reason to stop doing the gel
1: mm. yeah I mean, it's, it's so different as well, our menopause experiences compared to our mothers, because we are living for so much longer. So it's not just about getting through symptoms for those that are experiencing it, which is, it's not short term, it can last, you know, many years. But it's also the fact that we're going to be living for so many years without estrogen, you know, for 30 years for some women, so the impact of no estrogen for Alzheimer's and bone health, brain health, etc., is is really important. So, I, I suspect the trend towards HRT is going to grow, um, particularly as the myths that surround it, you know, get disappear, um, and also as women recognise that they want to have busy lives and demanding and and want to kind of keep going. Um, Finding ways, whether it's natural or or medical, but being a bit more proactive in in the management of
0: of the self is really important. I think that's such a big thing. If you feel you're in control of it, I mean, I think just so important Just don't beat yourself up about any of this. Whatever you find is the way that works for you and that you're comfortable with, great do that. I would never preach to anyone. I would never try and persuade anyone. I would never try and dissuade anyone much more to the point. So I think do the research you feel you need to have the conversations you feel you need to and find a way to find your way back to yourself. And whatever that is, if that works for you and you know it's properly supervised and it's safe and all of those things, oh my God, do that.
1: Hmm. And it is, you know, so individualised, isn't it? What What works for one person and even what works for you at a particular moment in time may stop. So you just have to kind of keep, keep in the toolkit and bringing another thing out. So, I mean, we've spoken about lots of different things to, today. Um, I think it would be just quite nice to end the conversation on three life lessons or tips
0: to to help women deal with uninvited change. Okay, well, the first one would be and I've actually written about these in a number of blogs on these are the heydays. So the number one would be you are stronger than you think and braver than you know. Everything I have experienced in life proves that to me without any doubt whatsoever. But also that when you're not feeling brave and you're not feeling strong, that's fine. Do you know Charlie Mackesy? He wrote a book called The Boy, The Fox, the, the the Mole and The Horse. Oh, my God. Most beautiful thing you've ever seen ever. He's a brilliant illustrator and um, writer. And he did one of his illustrations was asking for help isn't a weakness. It's the strongest thing you can do. And that is one of my favourite life lessons and quotes. Another one of those marvellous quotes. And the last one I would say is one that I've learned from sort of challenging experience and that is if you take your foot off the pedal life doesn't grind to a halt rather it settles into a pace that can be even more rewarding and i think that's what lockdown has if it teaches us anything it's taught us that
1: oh they're fantastic i'm such a huge fan of quotes because you know you're, you're passing them on aren't you so there's something kind of very contagious about you know sharing wisdom and and, and joy
0: and if you're someone who's never heard of charlie Mackenzie, go and find him immediately he will oh my God reading looking at his his illustrations are exquisite and his words are even more beautiful. He's just like wrapping you in a hug every single time he produces anything he's amazing. Oh brilliant. We always close with
1: our, our final question which is Diane what makes you feel over the bloody moon about life
0: my family? My gorgeous girls, my fabulous sons-in-law and my delicious little grandchildren. Oh,
1: well, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. There's so many pearls of wisdom that that everyone can take through. And and also thank you for just being so open, sharing your, your, your moments of challenge. It's just really helpful, I think, for, for the audience and the women to be listening to that and hear the quotes, the stories, the women that you've encountered that have inspired you.
0: So thank you very much. Thank you so much for asking me and thank you for such a lovely interview. It's been a, a wonderful conversation. I hope it has been useful. It's certainly been joyful for me. Oh, brilliant.